Welcome to the Explore the Circular Economy podcast by the Ellen MacArthur Foundation. This is the Explore the Circular Economy podcast by the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, where we talk about moving away from a linear take-make-waste economy to one that designs out waste and pollution, keeps products and materials in use, and regenerates natural systems. My name is Laura, I'm part of the learning team of the Foundation, and I am the host of this podcast. I am joined on this episode by four people. My co-host Seb, Cecilia, the Environmental Sustainability Manager at the H&M Group, Veronique, the Global Head of Sustainable Packaging at Nestlé, and Rob, the Executive Lead of the Systemic Initiatives at the Ellen MacArthur Foundation. In this episode, we discuss how and why the circular economy offers a solution to build back better from the COVID-19 pandemic. We also talk about the recent statement that more than 50-plus global leaders, businesses, policymakers, and many others have signed to reaffirm their commitment to the circular economy. Seb kicked off the conversation by asking Rob what was the rationale behind the statement, why now, and what makes the circular economy so relevant at the moment. Um, I would say most simply the answer to that question is that the circular economy offers a solution in a time where businesses, governments and people all around the world are facing unprecedented challenges. We're of course facing the immediate impacts of the health, healthcare impacts of the coronavirus pandemic, but we also have a very urgent need to restart the economy, to get the economy going again, to um, create new jobs uh, for the jobs that have been lost. Uh, and make sure that we can keep businesses afloat. So we have this huge economic challenge that, that, again, governments, businesses, people all around the world are facing. And then added to that is, of course, the many long-term challenges that we have, whether it's climate, biodiversity, or any other major long-term challenges that perhaps is getting a little bit less attention now, but of course, they, they haven't gone away. And if anything, the coronavirus pandemic has shown that these, some of these big, hairy challenges that can seem, you know, still a, a distant prospect, um, that it can suddenly become very real. And the coronavirus pandemic is an example of that because we had been warned for it for, for many years that something like that could come. And then it actually came and, and became real really fast. And so if we look at the current landscape, there's an unprecedented set of challenges, a really urgent need to get the economy going, many long-term challenges that are as daunting as ever. And the circular economy is really a solution. It's not the solution to all the challenges we face, of course, but it's really an important solution in the sense that it can combine generating economic activity, um, creating new business opportunities, new innovation opportunities, creating new jobs on the one hand. And then on the other hand, it's absolutely um, a crucial part of the answer to big problems such as longer-term challenges such as climate, uh, pollution, biodiversity, and so on. And finally, it helps increase the resilience of our economies and societies because no matter what we do in terms of trying to prevent future crises, undoubtedly, sooner or later, we'll have new shocks to our economies, to our societies. And by being more distributed, diverse, inclusive, and more locally oriented, where it makes sense, the circular economy also enhances the resilience. So for those three reasons, the immediate economic opportunity and job creation opportunity, helping to address these long-term challenges, and then actually increasing the resilience in terms, you know, for when the next shock hits, 
we believe that the circular economy is more relevant than ever. And, and of course, there was a lot of momentum behind a circular economy, even you know before the world changed in March, whenever it changed. Um, and so I guess the statement is about re- also about just reasserting the, the, the value and importance of that kind of solutions framework to the challenges you mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we see, actually, when, when we look around us in the um, economy today, there's many trends, whether it's digitization or indeed the circular economy that were very much happening before coronavirus hit, um, but they have actually been massively accelerated. And we see circular economy um, uh, as following that same pattern. And actually, what's, what's um, I guess, important to note and what was really encouraging for us that talking about that existing momentum when, when the coronavirus pandemic hit and we started to think about internally within the Ellen McCarthy Foundation about what could we say about this? What, what role, if any, does the circular economy play in rebuilding our economies afterwards? At the same time, we had very, very um, encouraging signals from our network. And actually, we had a call from many of the companies in our network that said, look, we've made so much progress on the journey towards the circular economy over the past couple of years. We're certainly far from there yet, but we have really made very important steps. And this moment is certainly not the moment to step back. Actually, it's a moment to step up and accelerate our efforts. And for us, that combination of an internal conviction that this was a really important and relevant solutions framework for leaders in governments and businesses looking for solutions, and the fact that we had so strong pull from uh, our network um, yeah, made us convince us that this was the right thing to do. So you just mentioned the network and you just mentioned businesses, policymakers, NGOs, which are all part of the signatories that we've seen in the in the statement. And we know that collaboration is key uh, to building back better uh, from this pandemic, but for from any kind of shock that we can suffer. Um, so, Rob, um, how do we build the right platforms for this collaboration to take place? Yeah, absolutely, Laura. It's, it's been one of our key insights um, from the past 10 years of, of working on the circular economy and then, then working on, on my area of, of um, the foundation, the uh, systemic initiatives, where we zoom in into one um, sector like or, or material flow like fashion um, or um, plastic packaging. The only way to really make progress is if all relevant stakeholders move at the same time. Because even if you are the biggest company within that industry, by yourself, you cannot move the needle alone. Even if you're the biggest government out there, you cannot move the needle alone. It's absolutely vital that we bring together companies from across the value chain. So in the case of, of plastics or fashion, both the, the raw material producers and then the brands, consumer good brands and retailers that um, sell some of these items to the public. We have two representatives with us here today. Um, and then also um, uh, the, the, the cities and the companies that collect these things after they are used the first time and then resale them, repair them, remanufacture them. All of those are crucial to bring together along with governments and along with other academics and experts to make real progress. And this has been absolutely central to our approach, um, working on these topics over the last um, few years, bringing together those stakeholders from across the system and we're really delighted to see that now with the joint statement that come out. We had everything from um, a city mayor um, or deputy mayor uh, of Sao Paulo in Brazil to large consumer goods companies, raw material producers, uh, and so on and so on. So 
in the statement, we mentioned kind of like the ambitions that we have for our four systemic initiatives, food, plastics, finance, and, and, and fashion. Um, so I think it's time to bring in our external speakers as well that have probably a lot to share about their different industries. And for example, the statement uh, says that about fashion, that we will we need to ensure that clothes are used more, that they are made to made again, to be made again, and that are made from safe and renewable materials. So my question to you, Cecilia, is how is H the HM group already doing some of these things? Yeah, we have uh, been on our circular journey for a while now. Uh, we started, of course, working with materials, uh, launching a garment collecting initiative uh, for tailpack of, of used clothing for reuse and recycling, and moving into a more formalized circular strategy where we take a holistic approach and where we set the ambition to become fully circular. Uh, and here we also work, of course, as, as a strategic partner uh, to the Ellen McCarter Foundation, and we're part of the systemic initiatives to make fashion circular and and the new plastic economy agenda. Uh, and in our circular approach, uh, taking this holistic perspective, we work to implement circularity all throughout our value chain, which means that we need to design the products in the right way, ensuring the right quality, durability, uh, ensuring cyclability, of course, that the clothes are being used and reused and, and recycled in the end. Uh, it's about setting, choosing the right raw materials. And here we also have a goal that we will only source recycled or other sustainably sourced materials by 2030. Uh, we have a, an agenda for how our garments should be produced. And here it's a lot about safe input and output. Uh, it's about the chemical use, uh, toxic-free fashion. It's about the energy we use that should be renewable, of course. It's very much aligned with our climate positive goal uh, to be climate positive 2040. And of course, to use the water responsibly. And we're also covering the user phase, uh, our customer actually that they'll care for the products in the right way, that they love them, use them uh, and repair them when broken. We have a take care initiative with H&M brand where we offer guidance and inspiration on how to better take care and repair your garments yourself. We also offer repair services both in our stores and with partners and we also offer products. Uh, and finally, of course, it's about allowing others to use. And here we're piloting different circular business models, such as rental. Uh, we have a collaboration with COS and White Closet, for example, in China, and subscription rental. We also have rental of our conscious exclusive garments in, in a store in Stockholm. And re-commerce, of course, super important. Uh, reuse of clothing in a second hand uh, together with our, our partner Selfie. And finally, it's about recycling. And here we have a lot of work being done and investments being made in, in new innovative companies focusing on textile to textile recycling, such as Renewcell or Worn Again or Infinity Fibers. So we do quite a lot, but we still have a journey left to do, of course. And I think therefore this message and this statement goes very much in line with what we at the H&M Group already are working on. And I see that this is a great opportunity to join forces, uh, both with, uh, with other companies and, and, and other partners to EMF, but also with governments, academia and uh, 
wider network uh, where we share the common message. And I want, wanted to dig into that a little bit further with Cecilia, because I mean, what you've mentioned there was, you know, just the, the scale of an organisation like H&M, obviously, you've mentioned, you know, materials, design, business models, loads of different collaborations. Um, obviously, the, uh, your business has been disrupted recently, like many others. What, what goes into a decision to make um, a clear statement as you have around the circular economy is still very important and we're still fully committed to it. That's one of the things that won't get dropped as I'm sure there's lots of different business and organisational decisions that are going to have to be made over the coming months and maybe years. What, um, you know, what, what, go, what, what was sort of behind that, that um, reassertment of, of that being a key strategic priority? Yeah, but it, it goes very much in line with our strategic direction and priority of becoming fully circular and climate positive. And I think this crisis has really showed uh, the vulnerability with the linear system. Uh, I think now it's more important than ever that we stick to this agenda, even though we face tough times here and now, both as businesses, but of course, people in general and communities, and we have disrupted supply chain. I think no one could have expected this. Uh, but as Rob said, I think we need to build back for the better and, and we really need to accelerate the transition to a circular economy, which will make us more resilient, uh, both in the fashion industry, but of course in the economy uh, in general. Um, so, yeah, so I'm hearing now, I guess, is this idea that why would we, you know, in many ways, some of the challenges that are being faced now are, are, are the current system of linear economy being exposed. Why would we um, sort of prioritise rebuilding that when, when we've already got a direction, as Rob's kind of mentioned, the, some of the momentum behind circular economy or within circular economy um, approaching into the pandemic? So thank you for that, Cecilia. I want to bring um, Veronique in also from Nestle, and I guess... Um, you know, similar to H&M, Nestle is a very large company, <laughs> one of the largest food and beverages companies in the world. And obviously, I know you're also heavily engaged on the packaging topic, and that's a very large um, operation as well. How, how, and I realise I'm asking you a very big question, and I'll ask you to be as succinct as is possible in responding to it, but how has H&M approached the topic of circular economy? Nestle. Nestle. Thank you, Lara. <laughs> that's why we Thank team up. Thank you very much. And thank you for having me. Well, listen, Nestle by design is an agri-based company. Uh, for 150 years, we've been working with uh, agriculture and asking ourselves all the questions around sustainability into the upstream supply chain. A couple of years back, when there has been this sort of a wake-up call, a global wake-up call in front of our collective waste management void, to take action, we were very prompt uh, to realize we have a role to play. So for us, it's just a part of the way we, we see our contribution in a, an economy that is uh, healthy and that uh, we grow collectively within the community we operate because we are very community embedded and we work with the local, hire the local and uh, sell our food and beverage product to the locals. So for us, it's just a natural step forward, not only to care for upstream, but also downstream. And uh, so this, uh, this pandemic has taught us how much we are interconnected and how the world can be stranded, which is quite a shock still for a lot of people. We have not even realized what has happened and we are realizing the hard way uh, to accelerate this journey, to accelerate this journey of uh, equilibrium, uh, 
uh, amongst this ecosystem and the environment in which we operate. And for us, it's just uh, this acceleration is just also part of our recent pledge when it comes to uh, climate change. Uh, it's uh, the time to start is, is now and not uh, tomorrow. And uh, when you are strategically committed, you don't change your tack because of uh, an unfortunate happening, which is the pandemic, actually teaches that acceleration is the way forward. So we are very, uh, we are taking very seriously this notion of uh, waste uh, coming from waste to go into value and resource creation is very important. Uh, the notion of uh, making sure that everything has a sort of a multiple usage is very important. But the challenge we are up against as a food company is the notion of safety. Because when you uh, talk about food and beverage, you put these ingredients in your body. And we are very mindful that uh, if we talk about the circular economy within the FMCG and packaging, that uh, we still need to protect our product. So not only we are committed on uh, this circularity in, in, in many fashion, there is, as you said earlier, Rob, other also possibilities. So we have to be multi-system. Uh, I would say uh, we have to evaluate a multi-system change. It's not only a one way, but definitely we need to be very focused on food safety. So that's why we've been created the Nestle uh, Institute of Packaging Science to accelerate the ability to protect our food item and beverage item, whilst uh, you know through through technology, through innovation, uh, contributing to a waste-free future. Uh, I think this is one of the biggest uh, step change we took last year, and 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 more I would say to come. But we've done also uh, our fair share, and we continue and we will uh, lead in that dynamic when it comes to uh, the the circularity of plastic. We've been pledging uh, uh, to create a market for, for food-grade recycled plastic, um, because in some instances you will still need certain material to protect. And at the same time, we are looking at alternative delivery system, bulk dispensing, a reusable container, uh, to-your-door delivery, uh, and alternative also uh, material like paperization, uh, which is much easier uh, to, to uh, manage post-consumption. So there's a whole type of, I would say, pilot in motion as we speak to appreciate the scalability, the doability. And uh, I guess our joining uh, the EMF is part of uh, that multi-solution uh, multi approach. So, uh, Veronique, you've mentioned many different things. You've mentioned like agriculture, the waste issue. You've also mentioned packaging, and and I've and I've I was reading that Nestle this year is investing. I, I think it is around 1.7 billion euros. Um, well, which is a lot of money um, into all these things that you that you just mentioned. Um, I wanted to to ask you: Do, do you do you then think the packaging um, is kind of like the main problem at the moment, and that's why you are looking into other ways of maybe like getting back the the packaging or getting all other other types of packaging that are maybe are not made of plastic. So the packaging uh, is not the problem in itself. What is the problem is the end of life and the lack of waste management system. So as we build a new economy together, we need to really have a system put in place for waste management as much as we need to reduce the waste creation, only build packaging when it's really needed. And of course, use the, the best material fit for purpose for us is uh, food safety, but uh, just what's needed. So we 
long gone the days where we pack for the sake of packing. So reducing, rethinking, uh, going into recycling, it's, it's part of the system change. Um, it's very important to talk about also education because uh, the situation in which we are challenge each and every one of us to relearn how to consume uh, because it's the same hand that grab a product that fulfill a need that dispose the packaging and when it comes to food, the packaging that has protected the need before fulfillment. So as consumers as well, we have to rethink, do I want to create waste when I consume? And if I do consume, how do I manage the waste I create? So it's a whole ecosystem that needs to be uh, somehow nudged with acceleration, as we said earlier. But it's important to look at, uh, as Rob said, we have a collective, we need to have a collective action. And, and everyone has to basically pass the ball and grab the ball so we can win as a society. So, um, yeah, so, but protecting will remain. And uh, then the level of protection, it's something also we are challenging within our company. Do we need to have all our product with a long shelf life? If we look at the challenging supply chain, can we reduce the supply chain so we can reduce the shelf life and therefore we don't need to protect as strong? I mean, we protect food safety, of course, but we don't need to overwrap, overprotect. So there's a lot of, I would say, a, a work group in motion to address that. But there is a repeating effect, and we need to be mindful of that. And uh, as we always say, the devil is in the detail. Thank you, Veronique. And I would like to go back to Rob at the moment, because, um, I mean, Seb has mentioned this, and, and also it's been part of the conversation that the statement kind of, like, it doesn't outline the specific actions, uh, but more underlines the importance of the circular economy as the solution. And some may say that actually... It, it lacks um, clarity over what actions are being taken and will be taken in the future. Um, so, Rob, what reactions have you observed after the statement and, and how, do we how do we move from words to action? Yeah, thanks for that, Laura. And I think the, I mean, the overall the reactions to the statement have been very, very positive. We've been um, very happy with some of the, the pickup of the statement, seeing it also picked up. Um, by individuals like the um, European Commissioner for the Environment um, and others seeing it, it actually reached the, the audience we want to reach. Um, of course, um, as, as can be expected with a, with a high-level statement like this, there are indeed always people who ask, you know, what, what, what's the meat here? What is, what is actually being done? Where is the action? And I, I would say to that, you know, what, two things. One is that we believe that a statement like this in itself actually has it, it does bring significant value because it, it, it brings that high level message and narrative of we actually have a solution here. It doesn't solve everything, but it's actually a, a significant part of the solution to many of the issues we face today. And getting that just that high level message on the table of the people, um, uh, the, the leaders in, in government and business is extremely important in, in itself, I believe. Um, the other thing to add then is that, that this is, of course, a um, part of, of a wide range of things we do um, at the foundation. And actually, uh, the vast majority of the companies that uh, were part of the statement, including the, the, the um, uh, companies that Veronique and uh, Cecilia are representing here today, um, we are working, working with those companies on very targeted actions um, where there is transparency and progress. So just to give two examples, so on plastics, we have something called the um, New Plastics Economy Global Commitment, where we have now united um, in total um, more than 850 organizations, many of them businesses, 
we have endorsed the common vision, but not just endorsed the vision, but actually are actively working towards a set of specific and measurable 2025 targets. And they are reporting on progress every year. Um, last year in October, we gave the first progress report. This year in October, um, we'll have the second progress report. And actually, you'll be able to see, for example, the two companies who are um, represented here today, what progress they've already made and what actions they're laying out to get where they said they were going to get by 2025. So that's one example. Um, and then in the fashion space, we um, have a project called the Jeans Redesign, which is which even has a, a shorter time frame and which is aiming to get um, jeans on the um, better jeans in line with circular economy principles in the market um, by 2021. So that's in the next 12 months, you'll see actually uh, redesigned jeans appearing uh, on the market from some of the companies we're working with. And I think for us, it, 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 that combination of actually bringing a story and bringing a narrative that, that, that can help change how people look at the world and combining that with real credible action and transparency mechanisms. Uh, another one to mention there is our Circulitics tool, uh, which we launched at the beginning of this year and which helps companies, not just for one material, but in general, um, measure their circularity. Uh, we've launched it earlier this year in January. We've had more than 500 companies um, picking it up and starting to use it since then. And again, that combination of um, stories, narrative, concrete action, innovation, moving stuff forward, and then having transparency and measurement. All of those are really important, and it's a combination, we believe, that um, can move the needle. Thanks for that, Rob. Um, I had a quick clarifying question um, that's just cropped up in our comments. Um, for people not familiar with the new Plastics Economy Global Commitment, what kinds of targets, I mean, I'm, I'm, based on some of the conversations we've already had in this, I'm sure there's lots and lots of different targets, but just to give people a sense, what, what are, sort, are the sorts of things that companies are, sign, that are signing up to? So companies are um, signing up to, to um, various commitments depending on the type of company they are, but um, for consumer goods companies, for example, they're signing up to uh, take action to eliminate unnecessary or problematic uh, plastic packaging, taking action to move towards reuse models, um, designing 100% of the plastic packaging they use so it is reusable, recyclable, or compostable in practice and at scale. And they will um, increase the share of uh, recycled content they use in their packaging. And all of those uh, concepts, some of these are, are quite... Um, um, you know, it could be potentially undefined concepts as what is recyclable really. We have a, a big book of um, definitions that sit behind that and that really make it crystal, crystal clear what we mean with each of these and what are the tests that you need to pass. Um, and then we have companies going out, up and beyond that. And um, that's what we like to see. Um, Nestle is one uh, example of a company that set a, a, a target to reduce um, the virgin uh, plastics use significantly by, by 2025, make a multi-billion dollar investment. Uh, those are the things we, uh, of course, like to see that companies go up over and beyond uh, the minimum criteria in which we're uh, constantly in dialogue with, with the um, signatory group um, about how to do that better. And perhaps one thing to, last thing to add to that, Seth, if I may, just coming back to the statement and what, what action are we taking? So I talked a little bit about some of the uh, actions we're already driving with some of these companies. And then um, one thing to add to that is that, uh, of course, um, 
as the companies in the statement and the governments, um, and let's not forget there's a, a quite a few governments there as well, and they have all um, indicated in the statement that they're looking to raise the ambition level on their current commitments and to look for ways to accelerate the delivery of existing targets. Um, so we'll be going in conversation with um, all the signatories of the state in the coming months uh, to see where are ways um, that we can actually uh, bring it into practice. Thanks, Rob. And I would definitely recommend anyone watching the stream to just take a quick look on our website. You'll see the full list of signatories to get. There's obviously too many for us to read out on this show, Lara. So thanks, Rob. Um, Cecilia, um, there's a few questions coming in our, on our on our various channels that we're streaming this out on. I'm going to try and sum them up a little bit. Um, I guess that, you know, for many people, they see fast fashion as kind of part of the problem or part of the challenge. I guess in response to that, where do you see, where, where do you see circular economy in your work in an industry in five years' time? Is it, is it disrupting the very way in which you work? And do you see yourselves as part of the problem? I think we, everyone who has followed the linear system is part of the problem and the fashion industry definitely has been a very linear industry in the past. So I think what we need to do is, is kind of create this system shift and we're part of that, of course, but we want to take a lead in this change as well and, and still being able to offer available and, and affordable, sustainable fashion. Uh, but we have to rethink how that is made and, and how the products are used. And I think what the circular economy shows is uh, that it, it, we have a lot of opportunities testing new circular business models, for example. And I also believe that circular economy will be a very important tool uh, to actually combat the, the climate crisis, for example, as well, uh, or biodiversity loss for that sake. Using resources responsibly uh, in a circular way will release a lot of the pressure uh, that we have on the planet today. And I think all industries are part of that problem and ours included. Uh, but we want to shift this and we need to work with the others to do that. We need to collaborate and join forces, both within our industry, but also with other industries. And Veronique, I'm aware that we are running out of time, but I, I, we have this question from the audience uh, that I would like to, to ask. And it is, what has been the biggest challenge for a huge company like yours in the transition towards a circular economy? For us, we, we are very pragmatic. We have committed to have all our packaging 100% reusable or recyclable by 2025. So across our the 170 plus country we operate with uh, hundreds of thousands of SKUs uh, across 450 factories, we have an order of March. Uh, we have identified what we need to change. We have a, a very clear vision about what could it be. We are currently making the decision on how we're going to build that roadmap. We will have a very clear milestone across the journey. One could think 2025 is far away. For us, it's tomorrow. And also build engagement with the consumer uh, as we propose new ways of servicing our products safely that they do adopt this new mode of consumption and help us to transit. Today, 87% of our packaging material are either recyclable or reusable. So one could argue it's only a, a, a little part of balance, but actually it's a big balance for us. But we are, we are very committed. And actually, why we have pledged to reduce by one third uh, our virgin plastic usage is also to force us to shift internally. 
because uh, the the change that we are uh, building as a leader is linked also to a mindset change. And uh, we all wish that the, the renewed commitment that we have made uh, through the recent uh, pledge and as an as a outcome of, of the pandemic, because we realize everything is interconnected, should really force us to accelerate and to realize that let's not wait for the crisis to be at our door, which is somehow still something we are up against, uh, to, to really take action. So for us, it's, it's a roadmap, it's action, uh, it's a walking the talk, and, and along the way, we will unveil our progress and report to the public because uh, we own that to our consumer, we own that to society. So we've talked about the ambitions to scale the circular economy and how it offers solutions for different industries, like plastics, fashion, food or finance, which combine economic opportunity with benefits to a wider society and environment. As our speaker said, the circular economy is more important than ever and it's time to step up and not to step back. Collaboration across different businesses, policymakers and academia will be key to scaling the circular economy across the world. That's all for this episode of the Explore the Circular Economy podcast. We look forward to seeing you again in future episodes. But bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Ellen MacArthur Foundation's Explore the Circular Economy podcast. Don't forget to share, rate and subscribe.